and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today it's my great honor to welcome Nihal Sanadurai. Professor Dr. Nihal Sanadurai is the CEO and Chief Technologist of Advanced Technology Transfer Associates. He's the chair of IEEE's Action for Industry and past chair of IEEE UK and Ireland. He was formerly Global VP of Reliability and Quality and Corporate Director at Bookham, now Oclero. He received the 2015 Lifetime Achievement Award by the IEEE Reliability Society and the 2011 International Award and 2003 Outstanding Achievement Award by the International Microelectronics Society. Dr. Sanadurai's innovations include the deployment of low-cost microelectronics and high-reliability communications systems. Some of our listeners may recall that he invented HAST in 1968 while at British Telecom Research Labs. And he established um, and invented liquid liquid crystal microthermography for microelectronics. Nihal, welcome and thanks for joining us. Tim, it is my pleasure to join in with you, and thank you for the opportunity to spell out my motives and intentions. It's great to have you joining us today. Nihal, you've, you've had a long and successful career in reliability and quality engineering, and you've been an active contributor to IEEE's Reliability Society and CPMT. Recently, you started a new initiative in the UK called the First Foundation, and and now I see there's also something called the Second Foundation. Would you help our listeners understand what these initiatives, these foundations are about? Uh, Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I guess the, the background to this is that having been involved as an engineer and leader in electronics and photonics reliability for many years, and hopefully been involved with delivering good, robust products to the community, I've become um, increasingly concerned about the detachment of corporations from understanding reliability and the consequent dumbing down of what they do and what they deliver. And the, con- uh, the result has been they've either made decisions to go cheap and uh, quite often they're ignorant of certain technologies and take un unwarranted shortcuts, the consequences of which are borne by the customers and the end users. So I've been involved in arbitration cases where such products have failed in the field, resulting in severe downtime and revenue loss by the customer, and of course suffering of the end user. And this brings me on to uh, the reasons for foundations. I've assembled evidence of the issues that I've just described, and I've presented these at international forums. Uh, but not only is it right to find uh, fault and difficulties, but it's important also to provide solutions. Uh, and I've aimed to produce solutions that are practical and cost-effective. Uh, we all know that reliability assurance takes time, but it is possible to be efficient by de- developing solutions such as building blocks. Absolutely. If I move on to the question that you asked me about the foundations, yes. then, um, essentially mounting a solitary campaign 
uh, however influential and effective one can be, doesn't gather enough momentum. And I'm delighted also that Fred, who is also at the other end of this conversation, um, has taken up a similar angle across in the, in the States with what I have been doing over in Europe. So this has led to the foundation initiatives. Uh, shall I go on to describe the foundation initiative? Yes, that would be great. You know, Nihal, one of the things that I'm really curious about, I mean, you've identified some very interesting problems, uh, but it seems like there are already so many industry groups already in existence. And I wonder if you could elaborate about some of the, the specific problems or issues that you feel that aren't already being addressed by some of these existing organizations. Yes, I, I will be happy to do so. Um, I'll, I'll describe the foundations and then describe its justification and raison d'etre. Uh, first foundation was established uh, as a team of very bright postgrads based in academia uh, and their professors uh, in the UK initially. So I spent a year training and tutoring this group in London and Edinburgh. In Edinburgh. However, I also needed to support these because these people were very bright but they were academics who had not been practitioners. Uh, so I needed to have those with hands-on practitioner experience and uh, these were people who had cut their teeth in industry tackling and achieving high reliability. Mm. Uh, so I recruited a number of bright reliability engineers uh, who had either worked for me or have been known to me and delivered high reliability solutions. Right. The first group of academics I call the first foundation, and the second group of practitioners I called second foundation. Ah. And um, uh, let me hand over to you again, Tim. If you wanted me, I can elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, uh, so I just wanted to clarify. First foundation are primarily academics, is that correct? Correct. With, but these people do have experience uh, working uh, on real-life problems, perhaps uh, doing some consulting with uh, some local groups? Yes, the, sec uh, the second foundation, uh, in fact, very few of them are consulting. All of them are actually in jobs at the present time. So second foundation comprises practicing reliability engineers that have their own employment not working for me necessarily, but working elsewhere. Um, so one requirement is the second foundation engineers do not divulge into the group, the second foundation group, any company confidential information. They are there essentially as experts for cause. Um, good, I'll good. elaborate in a moment what that cause is. Very good. Uh, so, again, let me come back to my earlier question, Nihal. Um, help me understand what problems you think were not being addressed by existing industry groups or uh, existing organizations. Yeah, indeed. Well, this, this helps to place Second Foundation and the purpose of Foundation as well. Um, at the moment, there are industry commercial groups that will uh, – people who are actors, consultants – uh, people who may belong to companies, and they will apply themselves uh, as diligently as they believe they should. Uh, the whole purpose of the foundation initiative is that there's a lot of momentum at the present time which tries to bypass what is right and good. 
And this does not mean adding bureaucracy. This means uh, company chief executives taking shortcuts simply because they believe they want to get to the market quickly and they instruct their engineers to, uh, well, not, well, they don't instruct the engineers negatively. They instruct the engineers to do things far more quickly and incorrectly, uh, incorrectly because of the ignorance of the chief executives. So uh, the whole purpose of uh, foundation and second foundation is uh, the aim is for us to be a bastion of skills, knowledge, and robustness. Uh, as, ah. as an example, in employment, and I cannot state which company uh, I dealt with when I was in, uh, in a particular employment, but you tend to get of instructions course. either by the chief executive or the chief operating officer. We've got to get these products out at, before the end of quarter because that's our cash flow. That's what we have to report into the system. The problem is, and this of course also drives company bonuses, and the problem with all of that is you're trying to take a shortcut that is unwarranted. So mm. when you observe these things and observe the consequences of uh, the failures in the field, uh, what the aim of, what well, certainly my aim and the aim of setting up Second Foundation is to be available to challenge these decisions. Uh, Interesting. In the, we have, a, well, Fred has a LinkedIn group uh, into, into which I've joined in conversations, and it's sometimes horrifying that engineers who are employed as reliability engineers are instructed to sit at their desk and grab whatever data is available off the web and then deliver a judgment on the reliability of the product. This is completely <laughs> wrong right. because they've got no hands-on experience of what the actual product does. Interesting. So uh, what we're trying to do, therefore, is to be available to the community. Uh, just to add, uh, Foundation Initiative is not a commercial enterprise. We will not accept payment by anybody. We will have no allegiance to any companies. Every member of foundation pays their own expenses, uh, so there is no revenue earning. Uh, but our aim is to educate the community and challenge bad decisions and be available mm. robustly to support engineers who are browbeaten by their bosses to do the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, that, wow. That's very interesting. I, I, uh, you, it's a very compelling uh, argument. I, if what you're basically saying is that uh, we have people who are making decisions about quality and reliability who perhaps are too focused on short-term economic gain rather than uh, more long-term cost and impact t to the end user. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely right. In fact, you've hit the nail on the head there because what – a company needs to consider is the whole life cost. And the whole life cost means that if a product fails prematurely, I mean, it may survive for the first one or two years, uh, and that means they can ship to their customer, and the customer doesn't become aware of the problem until two or three years down the line. Uh, and especially when you look for high, high reliability, which goes well beyond three years and well beyond 10 years, then you're saddled with a huge consequence. The consequence could be failing, for example, telecoms equipment in the field, lost telephone conversations, lost revenue for the company. And, of course, where is the comeback to the, the provider who made all these rash, short-term, cheap decisions? That's where we come in and, uh, in many ways. One is trying to educate people to avoid making those bad decisions in the first place. 
and I'm involved occasionally in arbitration cases where there's a big clash between the supplier and the, the customer company where somebody is trying to get back uh, penalties for bad product. Uh, I'm always on the side of the good guys and never on the side of the bad guys. <laughs> I should hope so. Unless the bad guys are prepared to listen at the beginning rather than it's too late. Understood. So again, just to summarize, first and second foundation are meant to be a resource for uh, people who are concerned about quality and reliability and are looking for some uh, additional answers, additional support. Yes. Um, what we hope to do and aim to do, and bearing in mind that foundation is fledgling at the moment, um, we, when we become more visible, I'm sure there will be a lot of people who will uh, browbeat us, attempt to browbeat us, because when you're trying to be correct but efficient and it opposes their own views, you will always have challenges. But what we want to do is be available as a, if you like, an intelligent resource, but a robust resource. Because engineers quite often have the problem that their boss may threaten their employment if they don't do as they're told. This is always a difficulty right. when you're in employment. Um, yes. I've been fortunate in in my employment that I've been able to say to my whichever boss there was, and I'm not making any suggestions of which company it may be, uh, to say, well, if you do the wrong thing, you will not have me part of your company anymore. Uh, mm. But meanwhile, I will tell you why you should do the right thing this way. Now, many engineers need, the, need their jobs, so they may buckle down to what they are instructed to do, which may not be right. 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 No, I, I think that's very. That's a very important observation. Uh, as, as your foundations have grown, are, are you looking for a specific kind of person to be uh, to be part of these foundations? Or is there a? Uh, I'm thinking not just in terms of their uh, expertise, but also perhaps their skill in working with others. The, the answer is yes. So if I. I hope this is not a sort of an arrogant expectation. Uh, what I'm looking for are highly intelligent engineers. They must have skill. Uh, there are two types of engineer I'm looking for. The academics, I'd like them to be highly intelligent and able to learn and be prepared then to go out in the community when they get jobs. Because I'm always believed that postgrads should be aiming to go out into the big world and get jobs. Uh, but those who are already in industry, uh, if they would like to join our foundation community as second foundation practitioners, they need to be obviously very bright and skilled uh, with a lot of experience. But another important aspect is to be robust. Maybe, uh, the, it's not the word unafraid, but, but brave enough to stand up to pressure. Yeah, good point. There's anyone that's unafraid. Yeah, very good point. Nihal, I, I know that some of your engagements are probably uh, covered by non-disclosure agreements, but I wonder if you could tell us about any recent successes that the, the foundations have had, uh, any successful engagements with some of your corporate clients. I'll be happy to elaborate. You're quite right, because almost every uh, engagement that I get involved with in arbitration, uh, they are covered by non-disclosure, because uh, 
the whole point is if they go to arbitration, uh, the, the suffering party doesn't want to, the, the, their customers to know they're suffering, and the culprit company doesn't want it publicized that they are the culprits. So uh, to involve people as supporters, if you like, as expert witnesses, almost every expert witness is required to uh, undertake non-disclosure. But I can give you more general outlooks on these things. For instance, there have been occasions, something that's in the public gaze is a number of years ago, there were a number of uh, systems and uh, power supplies and hard disk drives that caught fire. Uh, they caught fire because the technology move away from, uh, away from uh, feel like, environmentally unfriendly materials towards environmentally friendly materials, unfortunately led to the adoption of some environmentally friendly materials that were quite unsuited for the purpose. And ah. there was not enough groundwork done to check that they were unsuitable over a period of time. So this led to uh, unfortunate fires in things like battery packs and so on. Now, this has nothing to do with the most recent publicized things about uh, uh, certain uh, phones, smartphones catching fire. I don't know. It is quite pos possible if, if history repeats itself 10 years later or five years later, maybe the case, but I'm very right. surprised if the same cause. However, the groundwork needs to be done to make sure that a product, even a material that went into a product, was not uh, going to be causing problems downstream. This is what reliability assurance requires. Of course. Uh, and just to explain what we did at Bookham, uh, which is now the company called Claro, a photonics company, when we developed a new technology, we would actually do reliability uh, evaluation of the technology itself. This was not reliability assurance black box testing. What we were doing is checking the robustness of our product before we even started reliability qualification. So we actually understood our product inside out before we launched it. And we set up something that I refer to as uh, my building blocks. You start to build up blocks of reliability elements within the company. So when you add something new, yes. you have to verify that something new. So the whole system then comes together by building all these parts together, and that way you have a reliable product downstream. This also means that you have a very efficient product downstream. Uh, a Probably the useful examples are the presentations I have made at recent uh, conferences. One at uh, SERE held in uh, NIST in Washington, D.C. Uh, about two or three years ago, gave the examples of bad decisions, the problems that arise, calculations which showed how the problems could have been avoided, and calculations which showed what mistakes the companies made in arriving at uh, inadequate reliability assurance. So I guess if someone looks at the SERE uh, uh, PowerPoint slides that are on the web, they can probably see uh, something like a half an hour's presentation which elaborates on the problems and the solutions for reliability in, that I've advocated. That approach makes a lot of sense to me, Nihal. You know, um, 
Because of your work with First Foundation and Second Foundation, I think you're in a, a, a very good position to answer this question. The reliability community sometimes seems divided between academics who investigate the f- physics of f- failure and advance the science of reliability. So we have the academics on one side, and then we have the practitioners who work to apply these principles in a real-world environment. Can you offer any suggestions about how these two groups might work together more effectively? Uh, Very definitely, because uh, part part of the reason of this complex uh, salutation that I have is because I am a visiting professor at universities. I am an industrialist, but I am entitled to use that title. So when it's uh, commercially useful to me, I will use it. Um, (laughs) uh, As you know, uh, we, we have to have... Uh, a commercial outlook in life, but not uh, uh, not taking shortcuts and dumbing down. Uh, so I do deal with the academic community and with the uh, industry community as an industrialist. Now, uh, a good point to make is that industry and practitioners do do fail- physics of failure and failure analysis. My Oplaro team comprised uh, a very comprehensive reliability uh, stress test lab, which included HAST, high temperature ovens, thermal cycling, uh, shock tests, and all of those things. But I also had a failure analysis group that had very, very sophisticated, clever equipment, including electron microscopes, uh, optical microscopes, uh, ways of sectioning and understanding the physics of the failure, because with the diagnostics that you do, you feed that back into the manufacturing operation. So all of that comes together. Now, right. uh, the the areas where academics need help from us practitioners is that uh, this is something that has worked, by the way, in my dealings with my colleagues at the University of Greenwich in London and the Heriot Watt University in Edinburgh, is uh, they have very high skills in doing simulation work. And many academic uh, institutions will do simulations because they can run simulations on their systems and some companies have made the mistake of just making decisions based on simulations. The, the, the thing that I've tried to encourage and successfully done so with the University of Greenwich and Harriet Watt is to make sure that every simulation is anchored with real data. Otherwise, you don't know where in the cloud your simulation actually fits. Um, so you need real right. practical data, and this is where you need to have actual physical experiments to tell you where a particular material property should fit, where a particular expansion coefficient may work, uh, and um, so on. So the academics, uh, provided they link together with practical experiments, can indeed contribute positively into the practitioner community. This is my endeavor working with Greenwich University and Harriet Watt University. So far, it's going well. That's great. That's great to hear. Nihal, one one last question. How can people learn more about First Foundation and Second Foundation? This is certainly that something that I do want to get moving soon. At the moment, I hope that this Dare to Know uh, podcast will be one of the planks on which we will become more visible. At the moment, we have a website that we haven't populated. Um, we are making ourselves visible more by word of mouth than by making by broadcasting. We will set up a website shortly, uh, but at the moment, my my legwork 
is, uh, if you like, uh, personal contact and by, by the people on found, in foundation undertaking their contacts and drawing attention to weaknesses. I think over the coming 12 months to 18 months, we will become much more visible. Uh, and that will be the website. I hope with your support as well, uh, we can bridge the Atlantic and make sure that we help the community, basically globally. I hope it's not too ambitious, uh, because we do need to get uh, reliability on track, but still cost effectively. Nihal, with you, with your uh, your extensive experience and accomplishments and, and contributions to the reliability community, I have no doubt that this will uh, be a big success as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to participate. That was Nihal Sinadurai, CEO and Chief Technologist at Advanced Technology Transfer Associates. For more information about his first foundation and second foundation initiatives, please check the show notes for this podcast. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks very much for joining us.